Father and Son, isn't that great? Yeah, Dan and Trin, thank you for leading us. And uh, Dan's father's here today, so three generations of McMillan's here. A special day for that family, and thank you for leading us in worship today. It's special to be back with you today. As, as If you were here last week, you're aware that I was, was out with a group of about 38 that uh, were in Europe last week, and one of the great uh, opportunities of that trip for me was to spend that time with my parents were able to go along. And so as I reflected about halfway through the trip, and uh, I think it was a good thought. I hadn't spent this much time with my parents in years. And uh, so, but it was a blessing to get to spend that, uh, that time with them and with the folks in our church that went. And, and as we shared that, uh, that journey together uh, last Sunday morning, several of us had the opportunity to go to the cathedral in Cologne, Germany. And to worship, it was in German. Uh, we didn't understand a lot of the words, but the music was powerful. And uh, of course, we were able to sense the Spirit of God as we were there and worshiped in that place. Uh, but it's good to be here today. It's good to be home and to worship with you. As we celebrate Father's Day, Father's Day 2019. And what I want us to focus on today is this passage out of Matthew chapter 7, part of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. And uh, the focus on good fathers and good gifts. It is critical and necessary that our fathers learn how to give good and necessary gifts. In fact, I think that's part of our responsibility as fathers is we are called to be givers of good gifts to our children. So Tiffany, thank you for your prayers. We, us dads never get too many prayers. So thank you for your prayers and your blessing this morning. And let's remember to pray for our fathers consistently and ongoing. And you know, dads, one of the things that we need to, to constantly be reminded of, it's not the gifts of things, it's not possessions and properties that are, are so critical for us to give. It's the gift of our presence. You know, I think we need to understand that the way you spell love in relationship with your children is T-I-M-E. We must give the gift of presence and time with our children. But we must also be willing to give the blessing and, and, and praise to our children. I love the fact that, that Matthew begins his story of Jesus as a, as a man in that baptismal story. He begins that story before Jesus did anything in regards to his ministry after his baptism. That we hear the words of the Father breaking out of heaven, declaring, This is my Son, my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And fathers, Trust me when I say I visited with, with teenagers, I visited with young adults, I visited with older adults that go through life craving, desiring the gift of the blessing from their fathers. And fathers that choose to withhold that, it's a curse on your children. And we are called to give the good gift of the blessing. Just as our Heavenly Father showed to His Son before He did anything in light of His ministry as a, as a man, the Father was saying, hey, this is my Son and I, I love Him dearly. Oh, that we would understand and give that gift regularly. 
to our children. It's interesting as Matthew begins this this interaction and this introduction and relationship of the Father and the Son, that as we go through the book of Matthew, and especially as we go through the, the Gospels as well, there are two key revelations that Jesus offers to us as we read the Scriptures, as we read the, the four Gospels, the first of which is one we just visited about. The first of which is that God is His Father. Matthew 6-9, Jesus says, Let me teach you how to pray. Here, here's how you begin your prayers. Our Father. Our Father. This is how we begin our prayers to the God of the universe. And as we read through the Gospels, we see that God is not just a Father. Because sometimes the word Father can can come across as a little stuffy, a little formal. And Jesus is sure to help us to understand that that we do not have a, a Heavenly Father who's a distant Father who sits up on His throne and and, and stares down at His children, but rather, we have an Abba Father, a Daddy Father, a Father that welcomes us into His presence. And this is one of the key revelations that, that Jesus offers us of the Creator God of the universe, that He is Father, He is Daddy. And the second revelation that, that I want us to be aware of, too, is that just as God is Father, Jesus wants us to understand the kingdom of God as a home, as a family. In John 14, 2, Jesus puts it this way. In talking about the future, and talking about the kingdom of God, in talking about heaven, Jesus says this, In my Father's house... In my Father's house are are many dwelling places, are are many rooms. And and I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare that, that special room, that special dwelling place for you. And I will come again. Jesus reveals to us and and gives us this picture of eternity that that it will be with a, a, a heavenly father and of Abba in a home, in a in a dwelling place together. And so with these two thoughts in mind, let's turn to Matthew chapter 7 and look at this familiar passage on truth, on on prayer. Jesus continues his discourse here in verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you, what father is there among you, who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if this same son asks for a fish, will this father father give him a snake? If you then... If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask of Him? I want us to, to, to focus on this, uh, on, on this passage here by looking at what I call two prayer truths. 
The first truth that we want to wrestle with in verses 7 through 8 is as we pray, as we, as we ask, as we seek, as we knock, is, is what we're asking for, is what we're praying for, is it the Father's will? You see, I, I don't believe this passage is telling us that, that anything that we would ask for, that we will receive. You see, God is not an indiscriminate giver of anything that we would ask for, whatever whim, whatever desire we would ask for, but rather, God is a heavenly Father who responds and gives to His children graciously and wisely. And therein is the, the challenge for us. How do we know what to pray? How do we know what to ask for? How do we know what the will of God is? Maybe the psalmist can help us out with, with this struggle and with this challenge, this invitation that we have to ask and to seek and to knock. In Psalm 37.4, the psalmist writes, Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Find pleasure in the Lord. Find joy in the Lord. And as we do this, notice the next part of that, that psalm. And He will give you the desires of your heart. Delighting in the Lord is, is one of the key invitations to prayer. It's the key invitation to relationship with God. Isn't that the picture of a father and, and a son and the father and a daughter? Is that the, the children would delight in the father. And, and as the children delight in the Father, the Father responds lovingly and graciously to the child. You see, we are in the process of learning and discovering what it means to delight in the Lord. Again, maybe David in Psalm 51 helps us with this prayer that we should ask. Remember David struggling with his own sin, his own selfishness, his own pride. He, he came before the Lord with a broken heart and he said, Oh God, create in me a clean heart, a pure heart, a heart that desires you. And so the key to discovering is our prayer, part of the will of God, is learning what it means to delight in the Father. You see, if we can learn to delight in what the Father delights in, if we can learn what it means to, to have a clean and pure heart that desires the same things that the Father desires, then we can with confidence go before our Heavenly Father and ask and seek and knock and be confident that God will respond and answer you see, we are to ask from pure and clean motives in our heart, not with selfishness, not with impure motives. And when we do so, we can be confident in the Father's response. For you see, the Father, God desires what is best for us, and He promises to act as we bring our requests and our desires to Him. One author put it this way, what use is it to ask if no one will answer? And what use is it to seek if there is no prize to be found? And what use is it to knock 
if there is no one to answer and the house is empty. You see, we are to seek and to ask and to knock because we have a a heavenly Father, a, a loving Father who invites us into His presence and His fellowship, who invites us to to know to have the desires of our heart that He does. A second prayer truth that I want us to, to know is this idea, this question of as we come to the Lord and as we pray, as we seek His desires in, in our prayers, are we sincere about our prayer life? Are we sincere about what we ask for? Do we really mean the prayers that we offer before God? Are we sincere enough to continue to ask, to continue to seek, to continue to knock before the Lord? This word sincere is a word that that means and deals with persistence. It means that in our prayers with God, as we knock, as we ask, as we seek, that we do not grow weary, that we do not grow discouraged. What joy it is to hear testimony from, from some of you that have said, I've been praying for my husband for years and years, and, and God finally answered that prayer. And I've been praying for my children, and oh, it's been so long that God answered that prayer. We are to be consistent and persistent in our prayers. Persistence and sincerity, however, is not the same as the meaningless repetition that Jesus describes as the prayer practice of the Roman and of the Greek. In just a few verses early in chapter 6, before the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, don't use meaningless repetition. And so when we ask, when we knock, when we seek, and when we do that repeatedly, it's not meaningless Because why? Because we're asking according to the will and the nature of the Father, according to the desires of the Father. You see, Jesus is inviting us to be persistent in our prayers, to not grow weary or discouraged, to continue faithfully to pray for the heart of the Father within us so that our requests will spring forth from that heart. Now, I'd ask my kids not to listen to this because I don't want to give any inside information here, but do you, do you know how to know if your kids are really sincere about what they're asking for? If they're persistent, right? How many of us, our kids will ask us something one time and then they forget about it and, and oh, well, I guess they really didn't want that. And yet we know as parents, there's something intuitive within us that when our children are persistent and when they ask and when they seek and when they knock, there's an authenticity about that because it's real and it comes from their heart. And oh, as a father, as a parent, isn't it joyful? Isn't it wonderful to give to your children when, when you know that you're meeting that need and that desire? In their life. I think God is the same way with us. You know, it's interesting that the original language in this particular passage in verse 7 doesn't say ask and it will be given, doesn't say seek one time, doesn't say knock once, but the, the, the verb tense is one of, of, of ongoing persistence. The scripture 
tells us that we're to be steadfast. Ask becomes always go on asking. Seek becomes always go on seeking. Knock becomes always go on knocking before the Lord. One of the things that I, I do hope my kids remember from their dad is we use the, I use the phrase often, finish well. We just finished a school year. You know, you need to finish well. Finish well on that final exam. Finish well on that, that last paper. And I hope that they understand over a period of time, I don't mean it just for that last paper. I mean it as an attitude and as a way of life. Always go on finishing well. And that's what the Scripture tells us here today, that prayer Prayer is an attitude. It's, it's an approach to life. One should always be about asking. One should always be about seeking. One should always be about knocking on doors. You see, we must not give into the pessimism, to the seclusion and the, and the withdrawal that's embraced by our dark and broken world. George Buttrick, a 20th century pastor, simply put it this way, ask, seek, and knock. This is the journey of life. The journey of life of following Christ is that we go on seeking His will and desires that they might become ours, asking, seeking, and knocking. Now look at verse, verses 9 and 10. This is an interesting passage, and it reminds us that God does not refuse or mock our prayers, but rather God answers our prayers in love and wisdom. You see, no father would ever refuse or mock the request of his child, especially when it comes to those basic necessities of life. Now imagine the picture. A son goes to his father and says, Father, I'm hungry. Would you give me a piece of bread? Father, my family and I are hungry. Would you, would you give us a fish? And Jesus says, well, no father would give a son that asks for a loaf of bread a, a rock. Now, now, now there's, a, there's a visual here too. A loaf of bread from a distance it may look like a, a stone. And so here's the picture of a son coming to his father hungry. And from a distance, the father coming to the son and, and as far as the son can see, my father has answered my prayer and he's, he's brought a, a, a loaf of bread to me. And then as the father hands the loaf of bread over to the son, only to discover that it's not a loaf of bread. It's a rock, a stone. Or, or what about the son that asked for a fish and, and from a distance he sees his father coming and he sees that, that it looks like there's a, a, a fish in his hand only to discover that as the father comes and offers the fish, that it's not a fish. It's a snake. Maybe better translated, an, an eel. Something that's unclean. Something that a son would not eat. 
And, and so the picture is of, of a father mocking his child as his child comes to request, as his child comes to say, Father, please help me in my need. No father would come and bring a rock and, 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 and a snake to his child. And yet how many times as we experience life do earthly fathers mock their children and their requests. And when a child needs a loaf of bread, we give them a rock. A child needs a, a fish to eat. And we give them a snake. And Jesus says, even, even fathers that are, that are wicked and evil don't mock their children in, in those times of request and need. And so I love this next verse, this next passage that says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your child, how much more, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those that ask of Him? What a, what a beautiful... Well, Every father knows what it means to respond to the need of their child. Even bad fathers do that at times. Yet how much more a heavenly father that loves us responds and answers our prayers when we ask, when we seek, when we knock. As we read these, just these brief passages I can't help but believe that good fathers, good fathers are always revealing their heart and their mind and their character to their children. Oh, that our children, right, in some sense, would, would have those same desires that we would have as, as we've grown and matured, as we followed after the Lord, that our children would embrace those same natures, those same characteristics as God has refined them in our lives Good fathers are always revealing those to their children. Good fathers are always blessing and listening to their children as they share conversation and life with them. Good fathers do not mock their children's requests or their questions. Oh, we all have been around our children and our grandchildren when they just ask question after question. Some of them are interesting, right? And funny, but let's not mock those questions. Let's listen and love them. And good fathers always give good and wise gifts in response to their children's requests. If our children ask for something foolish, then we help them with that. We offer wisdom and instruction and guidance in that. And we respond to their needs in wise and loving ways. And now I love how this passage ends. Really, some would say how the Sermon on the Mount begins to wrap up in verse 12. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. Did you get that? The golden rule reveals the Father's heart in prayer. Likewise, when people bring their requests to us, their good request to us. Like our Heavenly Father, we should respond graciously to those requests as we are able. 
And so here Jesus teaches us about the Father's heart in prayer and says that that's the same heart that we ought to have as people enter our lives and as they would have requests for us, that we would answer them lovingly and wisely, just as we hope our Heavenly Father does for us, that we would be engaged in the lives of others. So on this Father's Day, we now turn our attention to the gifts of God, what I want to call the Father's best gift. John 3.16 says it this way, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave His Son to come and to die for us, to be the sacrifice for our sin, so that we might experience new life and new creation. The Son, Jesus, so loved His disciples that He gave us a gift to remember and a gift to proclaim the meaning and the impact of the Father's gift. And we call this gift that the Son has given to us the Lord's Supper. So today we receive the bread and we receive the cup as a reminder of God's love and that while we were sinners, while we were crying out to God, for grace and for mercy and salvation, that He heard us and He answered our prayers as we sought God, as we asked, as we knocked. God, save me. Redeem me. Forgive me. And God answered that prayer through His Son. So in these next moments, we prepare to receive the Lord's Supper. And as our custom here at First Baptist, we invite all who profess Jesus as Lord and Savior to share in His Supper with us. In these next moments, I'm going to invite our deacons to come and to make their preparations to serve us, the congregation. And in the meantime, I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28, which says, you should examine yourself first and then eat the bread. And drink the cup. This morning, let's ask, let's seek, let's knock before the Father. And let's make our commitments to Him as we receive the bread and the cup in these moments. Let's prepare our hearts as our deacons come and prepare for us to receive the Lord's Supper.